We're going to talk about Hanukkah tonight. The things that I'm going to tell you, in, in large part, I have not yet said out loud. I've only said in my brain, they might not make any sense. So, at least there's beer. <laughs> um, and also peanuts, which may kill you, I'm told. So, careful, careful with your peanuts. Um, I want to do about 180 seconds that will be doubled up on that shear that you were talking about, and then the rest will be um, not in that shear. If you think that you're celebrating a miracle that has to do with oil, you're crazy. You're crazy. You're out of your mind. Um, it's a useless miracle. It didn't help anybody. It didn't actually accomplish anything. Nobody cares. Now, as you all know, which, you know why this is so funny? Because the achronim turned themselves into pretzels trying to explain why you're celebrating for eight days, whereas really it should have been seven days because they really had enough oil for one day anyway, and therefore the nace was only for seven days, and therefore you should only like for seven days. Which is, of course, a ridiculous question because you're commemorating a miracle that lasted eight days. So the fact that you're not doing a holiday that only commemorates the, the nace Shabot is, I, I think that the question is a little bit absurd anyway. But, but they, they literally have to, have to contort themselves to figure out why you're doing it the way that you're doing it. And then, of course, you have the other issue, uh, which is that the, 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 the fairy tale that we're, that we're told as children is that they found one flask with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, and therefore that was the only thing that was, um, that was Tahor, which doesn't work because, because pagans are, are Temei Medris, which means that even if you found a, an, intact, an intact flask of oil that was sealed... It's still tummy, because if a Greek went like that and touched it, it's tummy. So I, I've seen answers to the question. Um, some of the answers have been like, well, they didn't find a closed flask. They found a closed cubby that the Kohen Gadol had, and in the sealed cubby, he had an extra flask of oil. Uh-huh. Right. Sure. Because the entire silo that they kept for oil in the base of Mikdash, right? You, you literally had like, like a lishka of oil, which of, of course you did, right? Obviously, you, you, you would expect that, right? Um, so you had, you had a whole gargantuan silo of oil, but, you know, the Kohen Gadol would keep his own little hidey hole with a little flask of oil just in case something happened to the whole lishka. That's crazy. I, I don't, I don't buy it. I'm not telling you not to buy it. You can buy whatever you want. I don't, I don't care. I'm perfectly happy with that. I just, I don't think that that's what, the, that's what it's about. It just doesn't matter. The, the nace doesn't benefit anybody. Tuma hutra b'tzibur. They could light with tamay oil anyway. It's just not a problem. So, yeah, it's weird. Uh, but, but the truth is, um, I, I highly doubt that that Hanukkah is has a lot to do with what we're told as children that it's connected to. I really don't think that that's, that's the issue. Um, they didn't come up with the name Hanukkah. Hanukkah does not mean Hanu, Hafei, right? They encamped on the 25th. That's it's a very, very unsophisticated understanding of what Hanukkah is because anyone who's actually read, you know, this book knows that the word Hanukkah, in fact, comes up in the Torah. Well, what is it? What does it come up in relation to? Turns out, it comes up in relation to Hanukkah's Hamizbeach. 
right? It's not a menorah thing, it's a Mizbeach thing. And if you read, if you read the books of the Maccabees, which are not in our canon, right? We don't read, it's not in Tanakh, the books of the Maccabees, but you're aware of them, I assume. With a, with a, if you go like this, I'll know that you're aware of them. If you go like this, I'll know that you're not aware of them. Are you aware of the books of the Maccabees? You're going like this. That's an Indian thing. <laughs> no, no, it is. Really, it's an Indian thing, right? Because Americans say yes and they say no, but Indians say maybe. <laughs> it's true. They really do. It makes sense, right? It makes sense that they have like a head bop for, for maybe. Um, the books of the Maccabees are, are transcripts from, you know, Judah Maccabeus, from Yehuda Maccabee, perhaps. Maybe it's after. We don't really know. The second book of Maccabees for sure is after. The first book of Maccabees is probably fairly historically accurate. Um, and, uh, and Yehuda Maccabee writes a letter to the Jews who lived outside of the area explaining, talking to them about their great victory. And he says that they, they were victorious and they kicked out the Greeks and they baked the bread for the Shulchan and they lit the menorah. And, they, and then he talks about the fact that they had to take apart the Mizbeach. And the reason they took apart the Mizbeach is because they, it was defiled. It was defiled. They, they did un, unspeakable things in the Beis HaMikdash. Unspeakable things. So you, could, you can't use that Mizbeach. It's a shan that used that mizbeach. So they had to take it apart. They didn't want to burn it because it, it was the mizbeach based on mikdash. So they couldn't burn it. On the other hand, they couldn't use it. So they took it apart and they put it outside. And it's, it's actually it's unbelievable because he says, we're going to wait until a navi comes and tells us what to do with it. Which just gives you a little bit of, a, of an insight into their headspace. They were living in a, in a time and a world where they thought, yeah, soon we'll have a Navi and he'll tell us what to do with these rocks. It's like, fascinating, because we don't think like that, right? We're like, Navi, you know, but, but for them, it was, you know, like, it was real. Uh, and they, and they re, they built a new Mizbeach, and it says they didn't use any, you know, hammered stones, because as you know, um, from, from the end of, uh, of Yisrael. Uh, and they, re, they put together a Mizbeach, and after they put together a Mizbeach, they made a party. And how long was the party for? It was for eight days. That's what it says in the books of the Maccabees, in the letter that Yehuda Maccabee sent to the Jews. By the way, the, the people who fought the Greeks were not called the Maccabee. That's a fiction. There was one guy called Maccabee. It was a nickname. They called it to Yehuda. Maccabee means hammer. This guy was like the bear Jew. So they called him Yehuda Maccabee, right? Like, they would have called me Shlomo Balding in the head. Like, that's, you know, so he was the hammer, and yeah. Uh, So this is is the letter they sent. Um, Then why would he have made a party for eight days? Why would he have made a party for eight days? Was he being original? I doubt it. I doubt it. Originality is not usually a, uh, a prized idea in, in Tanakh or with those kinds of people. He makes a party for eight days because that's how it happens in the Torah. It's the same thing. That's how it happens in the Torah. So he also he does the same thing. Like, it's not, it's not a mystery. It's not a mystery. And in fact, the word Hanukkah with the eighth day is in the Torah. So he knew that. The same as every Jew should really know that, and frankly, your Trinity Church probably also knows that because <laughs> they read it, you know. So they, they know that. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna take a little bit of a journey here, and we're gonna try to understand some of the some of the themes that I think are perhaps happening underneath underneath the surface, and see what Hanukkah is like really about on a on a deeper level, or at least a, a slightly a slightly deeper level. To begin. The idea of Hanukkah's Hamizbeach, Biyom Himashach, also, is the the carbonos of the Nisim. 
right? It says that that there are there are shneimus or nesiyah yisrael, and they each bring a carbon for the Hanukkah samizbeach. Yes, you're familiar with this in Parshas Naso from the Book of Numbers. Yes, good. Okay, wonderful. Uh, if you look in the pesukim carefully, it says as follows. It says that. They bring this 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 uh, gift to the base of Mikdash of wagons. Wonderful, wonderful gift of wagons. After Moshe takes the wagons, it says. That all of the Nesim, that's all of the Nesim, were Makriv, the Chanukah Samizbeach. How are you Makriv, the Chanukah Samizbeach? What does the Chanukah Samizbeach even mean? It's a strange word. What does the word mean? And they all brought it. When did they bring it? On the day that it was anointed, that the Mizbeach was anointed. Because after all, they took the holy oil and they, they anointed the Mizbeach. And the Nisim brought their carbon before the Mizbeach. Well, that's a double language, because you just told me, Vayakriva Hanasim is Hanukasa Mizbeach, and then you say, Vayakriva Hanasim is Karbonam, Lefneha Mizbeach. Why are you telling me twice? So we're trying to explain that, that the Nisim came to Moshe, and they said, we want to bring a Hanukasa Mizbeach. We want to make a Hanukasa Mizbeach. And Moshe's like, well, I have to ask the Lord. And if he says yes, then you can the next passage is, Well, you can't have it both ways. Because the previous passage, in passage Yod it says, Which means that all twelve, all twelve Nesim brought their carbon on the day that the Mizbeach was anointed. That's Pasuk Yud. Pasuk Yud Aleph says, And as we know from the rest of the entirety of the Parsha of Naso, it took 12 days. How can both of those ideas be true? Those are mutually exclusive ideas, yes? Can't have it both ways. So, I think, I think that briefly, briefly, the Hanukkahs, the idea of the Hanukkahs HaMizbeach is that every single Nasi wanted to put his input, when I say his, I don't mean personal his, I mean his tribe, his tribe's input into the Mizbeach. We'll explain what that means. And they all want to do it simultaneously. As far as they're concerned, they're doing this but your coming out party is going to have its own day. That's the idea. Each one of them is being mechanech the Mizbeach, which we shall explain. They're being mechanech the Mizbeach on opening day, which is Rosh Chodesh Nisan. But Hashem says, Nasi echad leyom, nasi echad leyom. He rejects their original, their original suggestion and says everyone has to have their own day. And then what do they end up doing? They all bring the same flippin' carbon. Talk about annoying. They all bring the same thing. You've read it. You've been in shul and parshas naso. It's upsetting. It's upsetting. Right? You feel like your brain is having one of those you know, deja vu moments because you keep saying the same thing again and again and again. How can that be that they all bring the exact same carbon and why would the total repeat the exact same carbon? Like, carbon, no, oh, 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 I hear this in my dreams. 
Why, why would the Torah repeat the same thing 12 times? The answer is because it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not remotely the same thing. Each Nasi, each Nasi was shocked, shocked by the other Nasiim. When Yehuda, when Nachshon ben Aminadav showed up on the first day and brought this carbon, Yisachar was like, no way. We've been working on this for a year. And he brought the same flippin' carbon. And meanwhile, what Yisachar didn't understand is that Asher was like, I cannot believe this. And then it keeps happening. So the reason that the Torah records it 12 times is because they were 12 totally different carbonos. They just happened to look exactly the same from the outside. But the reason that they're bringing it, if you look through the Rishonim, you'll see what the symbolism was behind every single carbon. So w- w- what is this idea of, of Hanukkah? The word Hanukkah means chinuch. That's what it means. Hanukkah is chinuch. That's what the, that's what the Shorash is. Chinuch does not mean education. Hanukkah means dedication. The difference briefly between education and dedication, education is the taking of information from the outside and the sticking of it to the inside. Whereas dedication is not a function of information, it's a function of direction. It, the, way that, the way that the Rishonim explain this, um, in, in fact, if you, if you want to look at it, Rashi brings it up for the first time, I think, in, um, in Parashas Lech Lecha, because when he talks about when he talks about Chanicha Vili Debe So, by the war of the four kings and the five kings, so Rashi says as follows, Pasuk says that Avram hears King Nishba Achiv, right? He hears that his brother was was uh, captured by Yarikas Chanichav Yiladebe So, and he musters his Chanichav. He musters his Chanichav. Chanichav does not mean soldiers. I mean, if you're going to go to war, you want soldiers. You don't want Chanichim. But but Avram musters his Chanichim. So Rashi says, Rashi says, Vehu Lashem Hascholas Knisas Adam Okli Leumnos Shehu Asid Lamodva. The word chinuch, and therefore chanichav, and therefore chanukah, means, means putting something into either a person or a thing, putting it into the work that it's going to do. And therefore, it says Rashi, v'chein chanoch lenar, he gives you one idea of this, is chanoch lenar, that when you do chinuch to a person, you have to put that person on the trajectory where he or she is going to develop for the rest of their lives. Also, Rashi says, chanukas hamizbeach, it's the same thing. Rashi citing Chanukas Hamizbeach by Chanichav, by Eliezer. And then, thirdly, says Rashi Chanukas Habayis, which is probably not referring, I mean, you can read it in two different ways. It might not be referring to the Beis Amigdash, it's probably referring to the palace of, of Shlomo, as opposed to uh, the Beis Amigdash, but there's, there's debate about that in the Akronim. So, so Chanukah means, the reason that they're doing Chanukas Hamizbeach is because each one of the Shvatim says, this is what the Mizbeach is for. This is, how, this is how the Mizbech is going to function. And every tribe is using it differently, sees it differently, because they have a different personality. But from the outside, when you look at it, they all bring exactly the same carbon. It manifests the same way. So, of course, I, I, the, the symbolism there is just quite obvious, that they are not merely equal. It's not just that they're equal. They're, they're the same. Don't you see? They're the same, right? It's like if you take a prism and you shine a light through the prism, it's going to manifest in different colors and different shapes on the wall. But the light going in is exactly the same. So this is sort of like a reverse prism. There are 12 beams of light shining through one thing. So it's all coming out the same, but the input is different. The input of each shape is different. That's what Hanukkah means. 
So if Hanukkah means Chinuch, if Hanukkah means Chinuch, where does the eight days come from? Where do you find the eight days? Well, you find the eight days not from Parshas Naso, but from Parshas Shmini. Shocker. From Parshas Shmini. If you go back to Parshas Shmini, it says... They're going to be, they're going to activate the Mishkan on the eighth day. The eighth day of what? Eighth day of what? Anybody know? Miluim. Excellent. The eighth day of the Miluim. Now, what's the problem with that? I mean, Rashi says what you're saying, right? Rashi says, Shmini le Miluim. Now, the problem is, there's no eighth day of the Miluim. How long are the Meluim? Seven days. Seven days. How do you have a Shmini the Meluim? You don't. You don't have an eighth day of the Meluim. You have seven days of Meluim, and then you have the next day. It's the first day after the Meluim. It's not the eighth day of the Meluim. Right? I mean, it says in the, in the previous Pasuk, Where's this idea of eight days? There's no eight. There's seven. There's seven. So what do you mean you have a Shemini Lemiluim? A bizarre comment. It's so weird. So we're going to have to descend for a moment down the rabbit hole of seven versus eight. Now you hear you hear words like all the time when when you're you hear things like like Shmini is lamalam and ateva and and sort of and and that's it's really cool you know but what does that mean like it sounds it sounds fancy but like actually what is what does that mean keep that question in the back of your mind and travel with me for a moment to the Navi Zachariah the end of the third parak of the Navi Zechariah says that, that Zechariah has this vision. He has this vision of Yahushua Kohen Gadol. And he's wearing, he's wearing dirty clothes. He's wearing dirty clothes. And uh, we read this, by the way, in, in, in one of the Haftaros. We, we read about the dirty clothes of Yahushua Kohen Gadol. And the Satan is Omid Ayyumino Lesitno. And Hashem says, Yigar Hashem Bechoa Satan. Right? Are you familiar with this? Um, so, so, says God, says God, because behold the rock that I have put before Yehoshua. On this stone, there are seven eyes. Behold, I am going to do its engravement, says God. And I'll remove the avonos of that land in one day. On that day, and on that day, Hashem says the man will call his friend to, to sit with him beneath his vine and beneath his fig tree. Okay, it's very nice. I mean, it's the VM, so no one reads it anyway, right? It doesn't have to actually make any sense. Like, there's this, there's this rock, and the rock has seven eyes, and, and that's okay. And we're going to pretend that that's, that that's cool. Um... Because there's a fig tree. Uh, and, and the angel who was speaking to me returned. I'm sorry. And he woke me up like someone who wakes up from a sleep. Which is incredibly bizarre because Zachary's in the middle of a Nevoah. 
Which means that, like the movie Inception, Zechariah has a nevuah within a nevuah. It's really weird. Right? It's really weird. Like, why would that work? And he says to me, what do you see? And I say, I see, I see this golden menorah. There's this big bowl on top of it. And the seven branches of the menorah are on it. And there are seven tubes that connect from the bowl to each one of the seven branches. For a total of 49 tubes. Ushnaim Zesimolel, and there are two, uh, there are two olive trees upon it. Echad mimin hagola, echad asmola. One on the one on the right of the bowl, and one on the left of the bowl. That's what I see. Vaan, vaomar el hamalacha dober bilimor ma'ila adoni. So I say to the angel, uh, what's that? Vayan hamalacha dober bi, vayomer elai haloyadata ma'ila ila. Don't you know what that is? Omar, lo Adoni, and I say no, because because like I asked you, which is usually a fair indication that I don't know, which is a very strange pasuk. I think you'll admit, right? It's like a very big waste of ink. And I said to the Malach, "What's that?" And he's like, "Don't you know what that is?" And I say, "No, I don't know what it is." He goes, "Are you sure you don't know what it is?" And I say, "Yeah, I'm pretty sure I don't know what it is." Okay, fine, I'll tell you. Yeah, that's right. Vayan, and he answers, This is the word of God to Zerubavel. You're not going to win with valor, you're not going to win with strength, you're going to win with the Ruach of Any great, Any great mountain in front of Zerubavel will be flattened out. And it will remove this rock. Tishuos, chen chen la. And they will scream, grace, grace be upon it. I'm really glad we read that together because I feel like we're all in a better place now. <laughs> what is the, the Evan, Evan Harosha, the head rock? The head rock? What's a head rock? Right. <laughs> Very good. What does that mean? It's all these it's gibberish. So. So obviously, if you look, by the way, if you look through the Navi Zechariah, you'll find repeatedly that Zechariah says to the angel, it's always Hamalach HaDoverbi, right? Like, like you'll have, sometimes you have Yechezkel's Ben Adam, right? There's different ways that, they're, that the Nevi'im are referred to because they all have different relationships with Hashem and different relationships with the information. And Zechariah always says, you know, what is this, what is this, what is this? But this is the first time in the book where when, when Zechariah says, uh, what is that? And the, the Malach's like, you don't know what that is? Which is, of course, why the Pasuk records it. Because the Pasuk is telling you that the angel is telling Zechariah that he should know what that is. Because if there was no reason that Zechariah should have known what it was, then the angel would not have repeated the question and said, don't you know? So he is. So why is that helpful for you? Because it's telling you and it's telling Zechariah that he should have known. Well, why should he have known? Why would he know that? He didn't know anything else, right? You can go back a few pages and and Volmar onata holech and or or on this one Volmar moele boim lasos, right? He says this all the time, and at no point does the angel refer uh, return to him and, and say, "Well, why don't you know?" Here he should know. Why should he know? Because this is a vision within a vision, which means he's already seen this menorah. He's already seen the menorah. How has he seen the menorah? 
Well, because the first time he saw it, it didn't look like a menorah. What did it look like? It looked like a rock. The first time he saw a rock, and there were seven eyes on the rock. And then it was as if I woke from a dream. And the angel says, what do you see now? And I was like, oh man, I see a menorah. I see a menorah. And there were seven branches. And each branch had seven tubes that tied to this big bowl. And this bowl is connected to these two big olive trees that are pumping the oil in. And I'm like, what's that? He said, what do you mean, what's that? You don't know what that is? I said, no, I don't know. I don't know what it is. He goes, oh, I'll tell you what it is. I'll tell you what it is. Lo b'chaya v'lo b'chaya b'ruchi. saying to me so I think what it's saying I think what it's saying you don't actually succeed at anything you don't make it happen God makes it happen God makes it happen there are two trees that are pumping the oil into a bowl and from the bowl, it automatically goes to the menorah without you. And each one is seven. There are seven tubes for each one of the seven branches. So we have seven days of miluin, and we have seven branches, and we have seven tubes for each of the branches. But we have eight days of Hanukkah, not seven. So let's see if we can understand why that would be. I think that in, in Torah, whenever you find the number seven, it, it always means exactly the same thing. It means the completion of a process. That's what it always means. Which is why Sheshis Yomim Te'asemalacha, and then on the seventh, you rest. This is why Shemitah is a cycle of seven. This is why Yovel is a cycle of seven sevens. This is why Shavuos is a cycle of seven sevens. I mean, you can literally go on forever. The word Sheva is also the word Savea, which means complete. So it's you find this all the time, but you're not the one. You're not the one who does the process at all. You're not the one. God is the one who does the process. Where do you come in? You come in on the eighth. You're on the eighth day. You come in on Yom Hashmini. The reason that it's Shmini LeMiluim. Because that's right, God only ordained seven days of Miluim. That's absolutely true. There are seven days of Miluim. And then you make an eighth day. Your input comes on the eighth day. This is why Brismila, by the way, is on the eighth day. God created a perfect human being. That's true. You're, you're born perfect, but you have no human input until the eighth day. And that's when your input comes in. Now, if you want to see something really, really cool, is I think it's incredibly cool, if you go all the way back to Voracious, and we were talking about this last week, um, you go to Voracious, I think that's the first time you see the word Hanukkah, right? Because there's a guy named Hanoch. Hanoch. Hanoch, Chinuch, Hanukkah. It's the same word. But if you look closely, there's actually not a guy named Hanoch. There's not. There are two guys named Hanoch. Very confusing. Why is it very confusing? Because you go all the way back to Voracious, so this follows that Cain, uh, not a good guy, kills his brother. You shouldn't do that um, unless he deserves it. Hevel didn't. Um, so Cain so gets cursed 
right? He gets cursed, and he has a kid. He names his son Chanoch. Okay, very nice. And Chanoch has Irod, and Irod has Mechuyael, Mechuyael has Metushael, and Metushael has Lamech. Interesting. Metushael has Lamech. Well, that means, that means that you have Adam, Kain, Chanoch, Irod, Mechuyael, Metushael, Lamech. Right? Lamech is what generation? Seven. That's coming from the Chanoch on Cain's side. There's another Chanoch on the side of Shais. There's another Chanoch. We descend from that Chanoch. If you go to that Chanoch, those generations are as follows. Adam has Shais. Shais has Enosh. Enosh has Canaan. Canaan has Mahalalel. Mahalalel has Yared. Yared has Chanoch. Chanoch is seven. Chanoch is seven. So if you look over here, I have it on my trusty Safari app. Yay! Um, it says as follows. Okay. The Chizkuni says as follows: Shvi Haya. He was the seventh. V'neschanech lekedusha. So he was dedicated to holiness. Shekain Masino Hashvi Kodesh, because the seventh is always holy. V'chein Kasev David Hu Hashvi Davar Zehaviu lekedusha. V'chein Masino B'Shivarakim. You find that there's always one. There's always one highest of seven. So, Misheva Aratos, Eretz Yisrael. Misheva Midbaros, Midbar Sinai. Misheva Yamim, Misheva Yamim, Yamki Naret. Misheva Olamos, Olam Shvi, Shikulo Shabbos. Misheva Neros, Nerma Aravi, Misheva Yamim, Yom Shvi, Vichain Tishrei, Shmita Viovel. Okay. So this, this whole seven business being holy apparently goes all the way back to Genesis. But you know what's so weird? I mean, this is just like so freaky. And honestly, I, I, I promise you, I don't know why. I don't understand why this would be. But, but what happens? Who's the seventh from Cain? The guy who wasn't Mechanech on seven, but was Mechanech immediately. Who's the seventh? The seventh is Lamech. Shes also has a Lamech, obviously. It's just different order. What happens to the Lamech of Cain? Who does he kill? Hmm? Cain. Who else does he kill? He kills two people, doesn't he? He kills Zadie Cain, and he kills his kid. Right? That's the Medrash. When he realizes that he killed his grandfather, he goes, Oi! Like this! And his kid was right there. He's blind! You, 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 you kind of wonder about the wisdom of leading around a blind man for a bow and arrow hunt. But the point is, this is, this is what happens to Lamech. And what does Lamech say? This is like... You're not even going to believe it. You're not going to believe it when I tell you what he says. It says like this. Vayomer lemech lenashav, adav etzilo, shman koli neshei lemech, hazina imrasi, ki ish harakti lifitzi viel lechaburasi. I killed a man and a child. Ki shivosayim yukam koyin velemech shivim veshiv. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. Cain's Nakama was seven, so mine's going to be 77. This is the guy that comes from Hanoch, who wasn't seven. 
Because the other Chanukah is seven. And since he's seven, he's holy. It's wild. I have no idea what that means, by the way. I have no idea what that means. But it's there. You can't ignore that it's there. Now, Shlomo HaMelech, when he builds the base of you recall we said in the Navi Zechariah that afterwards, finally, when, when everything is realized, everyone will sit under the fig tree and under the, uh, the, the olive tree, the vine, the vine and the fig tree. Well, if you go to, if you go to the book of Kings and talk about King Salomon, Pussy says as follows. Didn't I put in a little holder thingy? I thought I put in a holder thingy, but apparently I did not. Hmm. That was silly of me. So sorry. Shlomo builds the base Hamikdash. Oh, I did put it in. Ha ha ha. So. Vayeshev Yehuda v'Yisrael levetach ish tachas gafno v'tachas te'enas omidan va'advershev. Exactly the same Lashon as the Navi Zechariah says later. That's going to be the vision of the Beis HaMekdash. It already happened in the first Beis HaMekdash by Shlomo HaMelech. So what does Shlomo HaMelech do when he finishes, when he finishes building the, uh, when he finishes building Beis HaMekdash? Fa'ikolu el HaMelech Shlomo kol ish Yisrael be'yerach ha'isanim bechag hu chodesh hashvi'i. He calls everyone together to dedicate the Beis HaMekdash in the seventh month. Hu chodesh hashvi'i. During Sukkot. He calls everyone together. And then, they bring in the Aaron, and Shlomo says a prayer. He says a prayer. You want to take a wild guess how many paragraphs there are in his prayer? I'll give you a hint. It's seven. It's seven. Seven. Shlomo dedicates the Beis HaMikdash with seven kapitlach. And after he finishes the seven, you know what he starts doing then? It's crazy. When he finishes doing that, After he finishes the seven kapitlach of praying to God, what is the eighth one? Yisrael. He then blesses Yisrael with the eighth. So the idea of doing a Chanukah HaMizbeach that has seven that aren't you and an eighth that is you is repeated at least three times in Tanakh. At least. At least. So the idea is the same. It's not an original idea to Chanukah. Chanukah is a manifestation of an idea that goes literally back to Genesis. Like, all the way back. It's the idea of seven versus eight. Seven is God's input, not yours. Eight is your input. And your input is only worthwhile once you're macabre that the first seven have nothing to do with you. So this vision of the menorah is actually not a menorah. Right? We saw that from the first from the first vision. The vision of the menorah is actually the cornerstone of the base of now, what, is, what does Hashem say? Because it's so cool. It's, it, it's unbelievable. It will answer the Pasuk in Parshas Yisro. It answers the Pasuk in Parshas Yisro. God says, God says in the, to the Navi Zechariah, Hinini mifateach pitucha. I will carve out the stones. Why? 
Why will I carve out the stones? What do you think God is saying? You know why you can't use metal on the stones in the base of Megdash? You don't manipulate this place. You have no input on the building of it. You only have input after the seven. On the eighth. That's your input. So you're going to take a chisel and you're going to decide how a rock is supposed to look? No. But when you say, it, don't, it doesn't only mean I'm going to do the carving of the rock. It means the way that things are going to unfold, the way that things are going to... Pitucha, it's opening. Pitucha. I will unfold the reality, says God. I'll do it. You have two automatic trees that are pumping the oil into the seven branches that each go into one of the seven branches of the menorah. That's all God. And then the eighth is you. The eighth is you. So each of the Nisim wants to have his own input into the Chanukah Samizbeach. And he can. He just has to wait for the eighth day. So when we talk about Hanukkah, when we talk about Hanukkah, what, what, do you, what do you think we're celebrating? Are we celebrating an oil miracle? Or are we, or are we celebrating... History. Literally, a bunch of yeshiva guys took down the Greek army. By the way, they knew they were going to die. They all knew they were going to die. Again, if you read the letters of Yehuda Maccabee, every time they went to battle, every time they went to battle, they knew they would all die. They're like, we're going to lose. There's a hundred thousand of them. They have elephants. They did. They had elephants. That's the tank of the ancient world. He's like, we're, we're all going to die. And Yehuda would say, so what? We'll die. Who cares? And he says, you know what? If God wants to help us, we'll wipe the floor with these dudes. They understood. They understood completely. They understood it 100%. How is that lesson manifested? In the menorah. That lesson comes from the menorah, from the Navi Zachariah. That's why it's a menorah de gazach. It's not because, you know, puddles of oil last a long time. That, that's not the issue. The issue is the menorah. The issue is the menorah is symbolic of God's input. That's the idea. Now you want to see something really cool. Because I think this is all weird. This is all very, very weird. You want to hear something cool? What happened to Hanoch? Hmm. And Hanoch went with God. And then he was gone. Because God took him. Familiar with the Pasuk? Yeah? What does that mean? Right? The, the Pasuk is as follows. The Pasuk says. Elohim. Elohim. What? Huh? So you know what they say? This is like the strangest thing in the world. Have you ever heard of Matatron? Heard of Matatron? <coughs> Go like this if you've never heard of Matatron. Okay, good. Matatron, according to the Gemara, Shmo Kishem Rabo, 
His name is like the name of his master. Who's his master? God. Metatron is an angel. I call him Metatron because it sounds cooler. So Metatron, Metatron is an angel whose name is like God's name. I don't know what that means. Alicia Benavuya had a real problem with this. Alicia Benavuya went up there and thought there were two Rishuyos. What do you mean, Shmok Hashem Rabo? The Gemara calls him the Sar HaOlam. Metatron is the Sar of the world. What does that mean? So you know what the Medrash says? This is crazy. You're not going to believe me. You're going to want to look it up yourself. God took Hanoch, and Hanoch is Metatron. Hanoch becomes the Sar HaOlam. I don't know how you make that work in your brain. Like, that's strange. I think you'll admit. That's awfully strange. But if you, if you scratch a little bit on the surface of Metatron, it gets less strange. Um, Metatron is, not that I'm a Gematria guy, but Metatron is the same Gematria as the name Shakai. It's, it's a different manifestation of, of Shakai. When we talk about Metatron as the Sar Ha'olam, there's, there's a word for that. We, we call it Teva. The Sar Ha'olam is Teva. It's the Sar Ha'olam means. It means the world works in a certain way. It's nature. This is how the world works. Shmo Keshem Rabbo. His name is like the name of his master. Why? Because that's the way that God manifests in the world. So it could be very, very confusing. Which, by the way, means that any time that you pray to God, you're not praying to God. But you already know that, right? You already know that when you pray to God, you're not praying to God. You're praying to your conception of God, which I promise you is not God. So that's, that's okay. Like, God forgives you that. Zeshmi la'olam is la'alem. He understands that you don't really know what you're doing. That's fine. You're a meatbag. It's not a problem. It's fine. No, really, it's good. It's good. It's not... You don't, don't be sorry about that. So, Hanoch, Hanoch, Mr. Seventh Generation, Mr. Seventh Generation, who is Michunach, who is specifically set to a certain task, according to, according to the Medrash, becomes Metatron, who is Shakai. What does Shakai mean? Sha'amar lo'olamo dai. The god of nature, the god of evolution. The god of Teva. Teva. That's seven. Teva's seven. Goes all the way back to the beginning of the world, right? God manifests in Teva. In seven. Where do you come in? Eight. Eight is you. On eight, you can have a little input. On seven, you better not touch any input. If you try to influence seven, I'm going to throw your Mizbeach out. You're not allowed to touch those stones. You're not allowed to touch those menorahs. It's not for you. Just do what you're supposed to do, and God will take care of that. God will take care of that. So I think that perhaps the deepest, I don't mean like the, the most Kabbalistic, I mean the most fundamental, the most primal idea of Hanukkah is an acceptance that you don't have to win. Don't, don't think about winning. Don't think about winning. Just do what you're supposed to do. That's your input. God will do the rest. God will do the rest. Whether it's the Greek army or the Roman army or the Chinese army, it doesn't matter. It doesn't 
matter? Well, what happened to the Hashmonaim within like two generations? They become Greek. They become Greek. They give their kids names like Aristobulus. Have you ever heard of Hilni Hamalka? Really? Hilni? Hellenes? Do you know who the Hellenes are? The Greeks. Worship the god Helene. Jewish queen named Hilni. Yeah. They become Greek. Not only that, but the Gemara is clear about this. The Jews asked the Romans in to come and help them and settle their disputes. They invited them into their treasure houses. Gemara says, that was the death knell. It would take 200 years. But if you invite a bunch of Romans into the temple and show them all the gold, you don't think they're going to go back and say to Caesar, mighty Caesar, lots of cool stuff over there. Of course they will. But, but why would you call in the Romans to settle your dispute? Because you forgot, you forgot what Uncle Judah taught you. You tried to control the issue. You tried to solve the equation. I'm going to solve the equation of dealing with the Ptolemaic Greeks by calling in the bigger bully Rome, and they will help me. No, they won't. Maybe they'll help you today. But you'll be dead. You'll be gone. Lobachayel, Lobachoach, I think it's exactly the same lesson that goes from Bereshis through Parsha Shmini, through Parsha Naso, through the Sefer Malachim, through Zechariah. I think it's the same thing. I don't, uh, I don't think there are two lessons here. I really think it's one. And I think that's the idea of the menorah. I think we shouldn't get too caught up on oil miracles and oily food. I don't think that matters. So I know that that was a little bit of like a uh, a mind fudge. Do you have any questions? Or was it so incredibly unclear that there are no questions? It couldn't have been that clear. I never said it out loud before. Whose days are one through six? One through seven. God. They're all like, including one seven. One yeah, one through seven is all God. Then why does it bring up the story of the? the it is brought up in the Rishon the story of the of the one jug and being sealed. So what does that have to do with it? Of the one what? The one jug that was sealed. They found the, the single pasha. Yeah, I think so it's probably it's probably symbolic. I would think. To what though? I'm saying obviously. It's I don't know. One tiny family that was willing to stand up. One tiny nation that was willing to stand up. I, I'm not sure what the metaphor is. Meaning, the. The nace of the Shemem appears for the first time historically in the Gemara. That's a long, long time after the Hasmonean Wars, right? Like hundreds of years later. Um, so, I don't know. Um, I actually, I had this discussion recently with, with a rabbi that I love and respect. Um, I asked him, like, would it bother you if this this Hanukkah story, you know, isn't isn't real. It would, would it bother you? Um, it, it wouldn't bother me a bit because I don't think I don't think the Hanukkah story is, is about that. So it wouldn't really bother me. 
Um, I mean, I wasn't there. I'm fine if it happened. I just think that, like, literally, to, to celebrate a miracle like that is 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 silly. Who, again, who does it benefit? Who benefits from the oil lasting eight days? Who? Kohanim? They don't benefit. Am Yisrael? They don't benefit. Hashem? You have to say, no, it's just showing you that Hashem loved the Jews so much that he made this tremendous miracle for them. He also made a tremendous miracle for them and helped them win the war, which I think was, you know... So you're saying that it doesn't bother you if the story of the eight days doesn't, wasn't literally true. Exactly. What matters yeah. is that they realize that they had to just do what they need to do when it comes to the war, and therefore... Yeah. It's just a representation because of what happened before. Yeah. By the way, it's really cool. So, like, there's a big machlokas, right? Bisham, Vesil, do we light up? Do we go down? Um, so we go up, because Vesil says, Malam Bikodesh. Why does Bisham say we go down? Anybody remember? Gifts? Mm-hmm. We're counting down. Very good. Parayachag. It's someone's Sukkot, right? Which is when you're mockery of the Parayachag. Okay. Um, when did Shlomo dedicate the temple? Sukkot. In the seventh month. Well, the Parayachag are connected the Umos, right? Parayachag are connected the Umos. They're not connected Yisrael. Who's Shmini Atzeres Kenegid? It's Parechad. Right? That's you. Well, if you go, again, if you go to Malachim, it says something really, really cool. Because we said that, that Shlomo HaMelech says seven prayers. Right? Before he blesses the, before he blesses the Jews, he says seven bakoshos to HaKadosh Baruch And in each one he says, uh, he says, And you will hear, he talks about what happens if, if we sin and there's a war, and if we sin and there's a famine, and you know, all these various, uh, various situations. And he says, one second. Listen to this. This is part of Shlomo's prayer. Tashem. Vigam el hanachri asher lo miamcha Yisrael hu. Uva me eretz rechokol leman shemecha. Ki yishbu'un eshimcha agadol vesyelcha chazako zrocha netuyo. Uva vihispalel el abayis hazeh. Ato tishma hashomayim mechon shiftecha. Viyosisa kechol asher yikroi lecha hanachri. Leman yidud kola meharetz eshmecha liyiroz kakamcha Yisrael. Viladas ki shimcha nikro al abayis hazeh asher bonisi. Shlomo doesn't say seven prayers about Jews in the seven. He says six about Jews and one about the Nachri. Because the Beis HaMikdash is not only the Beis HaMikdash for the Jews. It's Beis HaMikdash for the world. And it's dedicated specifically in the month of Sukkot, which of course is all about universalism, which is why we have the Parei HaChag. Beis Shammai, like think about it, it makes no sense. Beis Shammai's like, oh, we should go down, can I get Parei HaChag? What? She's like, no, let's go to the side. Good aches mechista. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? What does Parechag have to do with the Chanukah Samizbeach? It's everything. It has everything to do with it. So Bishamah and Bishil, they're not arguing. They're not arguing. They're, they're being tofes, different manifestations of the thematics of the Indian. There's this issue and there's this issue. So you can celebrate this way, you can celebrate this way. They're sides of a coin. They're not saying that the other one is wrong. It's just very, very not true. So it says, 
and it's like this. Just because, just really, I think it clicks it in together very, very nicely. If I recall the language, <laughs> yeah. So check this out. On the eighth day, on the eighth day, he sends them. Why the eighth day? So many of the Mepharshim, if you look at Makros Kedolos, which unfortunately I don't have right here, they say, oh, because, you know, it, it's telling you that they celebrated Shemini Atzeres. Really? That's what it's telling you? It's telling you that they celebrated Shemini Atzeres? Good Chavez. That's not what it's saying. It's telling you what Shmini Yatzeris is, right? Because obviously Shmini Yatzeris is also a holiday that just makes no sense. Like it literally makes no sense. Like, okay, you have seven, you have a seven-day holiday, and then, then Shmini Yatzeris. Why? It's the same idea. It's seven, and then it's one. It's the same idea as the Miluim. It's the same idea. It's, it's literally the same thing again. Anyway, in my very, very humble opinion. It, but, but that was a good question because it made me think of that. So any, any other questions? Maybe we'll think of something else. Cool. Um, so the, in the Hanukkah we're saying that seven is that God's input yeah. we're not supposed to change it don't tinker Yeah. don't put your sword on it so why do we celebrate eight days why do we celebrate eight days the eighth days are input so we recognize like why is that an important thing because you, you, thing or oh, it's a great thing. Yeah, if you didn't need an eighth day, then God would not have created humans. Yeah, exactly. There's a there's there's a synthesis there. So God does His, and you do yours. But the point is, don't try to do His. But we're, but like you can't, you can't like it's impossible. You, you can't really have both ways. Like on the one hand, we're not supposed to tinker, but on the other hand, we are supposed to tinker. No, no, no. You're you, you're not you're not tinkering with God's world. You're doing your part. That's your input. That's your Hanukkah. You have you have Shivasumiluim, and then you do a Hanukkah Samizbeah. And the Hanukkah Samizbeah is your input. That's why it's on the Yomashmini. Oh, so it's not tinkering, it's building off. Yeah. Yeah. It's being mechanic. Yeah, so which is which in a day to day life? Which, which is God's domain and which is your domain? Yeah. That's probably very situational. Right? When we talk about when you talk about things like numbers having a meaning, right? there's no such thing as a holy number. Like numbers are just numbers. So you're you're dealing with you're dealing with symbolism. Now, what what's what does symbolism mean? Symbolism means that there's an idea, and I'm going to convey. I'm going to wrap up this idea with a code word. Not so it's secret. Because it's thematic. So every time I say Disney, you think Disney. Disney was a man. Disney was a guy named Walt Disney. Nobody thinks of the man when you hear Disney. Right? There's not a human being on the planet Earth that, that thinks of the man when you hear Disney. Disney is a buzzword for an idea. So is Auschwitz. Auschwitz is a town in Poland, but I promise you it's not a town in Poland. Auschwitz means hell on earth. That's what Auschwitz means. Right? It's a, it's a word. It's a symbol. 
So the word has a meaning, right? That's what we mean. So when, when we talk about seven and eight, we're just giving you an idea. It's not about the number. Yeah, right? I'm not asking about the number. I'm asking what. It just means that what you're supposed to do daily. What God's input is, and then what your input is. Yeah, that you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to force things. You don't get to force things. So honestly, I don't. I don't know when when a person will be like, no, you have to do your stylus here. I don't know. That's like that's really really far from me to know situationally how to apply things. I have no idea, really. Honestly, I really don't know. Um, but but at least conceptually, we can we can appreciate what it's saying to us. Um, this is, by the way, again, it's gonna it, it, it comes up now in the in the parsha with Yosef, right? What is it? Right, that's Yosef because he he tried to force it. Don't don't force anything. It's a question. Why didn't he know? And why? What if you don't know? So I don't know how to answer that. Um, but at least you know conceptually the idea that that you really don't control anything and you should stop trying to. You should stop trying to. It's so funny. We we make our own problems all the time. Like we are the architects of our own problems a hundred percent of the time because we're trying to solve things. You can't. You can't. It's an organic, heuristic process. Just do what you're supposed to do. That's it. Just do the book, and everything will work. The, the Lushan of Zechariah was like, awesome. Oh, okay, this is good. So we, we can explain this. Um, the, that Nevuah ends as follows. It says, it says like this. Mi'ata haragadol of Nezerubavel. Let me sure. Who are you, big mountain in front of Zerubbabel? You'll be a plain. The plain is in flattened out. If you do what you're supposed to do, the mountains will flatten. Literally, they'll just flatten. Which means you're going to walk up to the mountain and you'll be like, how am I going to get to the other end of this? Stop talking, keep moving, and it just flattens out. And what's the end of that nevuah? They will take out the cornerstone, the foundation stone, tishuos, Chain, chain, la. And everybody will proclaim chain. Chanukah, chinuch, chanuch, chain. That's the remez for Chanukah. Is the chain, chain, la. It's going to make sense after the fact. After the fact, everybody's going to be like, yeah, that's really, really great. We get it now. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. But when you try to, like, make things happen, you end up with, like... Problems in Gaza. Don't, don't, don't try to fix things like with the Cheshbonis. Like, stop with the Cheshbonis. It doesn't work. It never works. You know why it doesn't work? It's like, it's like being on a seesaw. And you see that that side is up. So you get up and you sit on that side. And that side goes down and this side goes up. But you don't have the whole picture at all. It's not possible to have the whole picture. So you keep just like pulling levers... Because of a particular anecdotal reality. You're like, this is a problem, so I'm going to fix this local problem. And you do. You do. You stick your, your finger in that particular hole in the dike. Yeah, but then the pressure is going to blow up a gasket from the other side. This is, by the way, that's literally the mushroom the Gemara gives by Shlomo HaMelech. When he says, Al tizchachem harbei. Don't be so smart. This is Shlomo talking. He was so smart. Right? He says, Al tizchachem harbei. Why? What's the... What, what's that talking about? It's talking about he wanted to, there, there was a spring and he wanted to get more water out of it. So what did he do? He widened the hole and it dripped. 
it's a pressure thing, right? <laughs> it's a pressure thing. But but right, if you have a, obviously water in a small hole, it will shoot out, and then if you open it, bleep, 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 fine. So but but the idea is the same thing. He's saying don't be so smart that you think you're going to find the answer to this because you're looking at a particular thing. You're like, well, it's a small hole and there's water. Why don't I widen the hole and I'll get more water? All you're looking at is this. You're not looking at what's behind it. You don't see. You don't see, so just get out of your own way. But again, like what you're saying, how to, how to fold that into your life on a real basis. Like you can, you can also say, well, then I don't need to go date, right? God will just send me a wife. I don't mean he will. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, you, you would be literally messing with nature. Yeah. It doesn't. it doesn't work. We do it in economics all the time. Governments do this in economics. Right? They have a problem, so they try to fix the problem. Never works. Never. Never. It has never worked. It will never work. Well, on the other hand, if you just sit back, it's just going to happen by itself. If you do what you're supposed to do, it'll happen by itself. Yeah. Don't be an Ibrahim. Don't try to fix the problem. Just do the recipe. If you do the recipe, it will always work. So we've discussed, I think, in, in previous uh, meetings, I think by Purim, we, we talked about the, the algorithm. Torah is an algorithm. Rubik's Cube. Right? It's, a, it's an algorithm. It's not a particular configuration of parts. It's a pattern. It's a pattern. So the pattern will always, always solve for x. Always. It doesn't matter what the integers are, it doesn't matter what the variables are, it will always solve because the pattern is pervasive. The pattern is built into the, built into the way that the world is formed. Right? Which goes back to Hanok and the Sarhaolam. The world is formed in a certain way. So if you do this, it will always work. But if you try to fix something, since you don't have all the information, all you're doing is pulling out a plug from somewhere else. And that can't work. You'll just you'll fix one side of the Rubik's Cube and the other side will just get all messed up. How do we see this in the menorah that we that we like that we like to be like how are we um, bringing out this idea? The, the menorah, right, from the Nibu of Zachariah. The menorah is the manifestation of the Besa Mekdash. Right? Can we see that somewhere? Didn't we try to mention it or something? It's it's right here. You're saying, do we, do we in our in our lighting? Yeah. Um. Well, we don't like say prayers really. You mean like in the most sore prayer? Yeah. Something, something to tell us that what we're doing is is, is connected to this idea. Uh, we, we talk about we talk about the miracles that God did for us. When we say Sha'asa Nisan Lavosenu. We're we're talking about like saving our lives, right? We, we, we make that bracha because God saved us. Right? We make similar brachas on Purim. God saved us. We recognize it. So we, you know, we bless. The blessing, again, is to recognize. You're not giving God anything. You're recognizing the fact. Okay. Why is this again only coming up now? We didn't even know this beforehand. You didn't know what beforehand. This, this idea that, that we have to leave things alone and like only come in after eight. Not no, so I'm saying you did. You knew it from Boratius. So. You knew it from Boratius. You knew it from Shmos by, by the Mizbeach, right? Because the, 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 the Tzivoy, not to touch the stones with the sword, is talking about the Mizbeach, right? Literally talking about it. It's the same thing. It's talking about the Mizbeach. And then you know it again in, in Parsha Shmini. And then you know it again in Naso. 
And then you know it again in Zakaria. So it's not it's not it's not hidden. It's just I never noticed it before. Okay. It's like it's there. I just didn't see it. It's just uh, we just needed to start laying down because we just didn't notice it. I'm not sure that I understand your question. I think I thought you were asking something else. Say it again. Why do we need to start lighting a menorah now to, to help us remember this idea? Have a plan to help us remember this idea of Tzadkia. Now you're saying that you already had this idea. Yeah. The idea, the idea was always there. For sure. For sure. You're saying why specifically on Hanukkah? Yeah. They we, were Mechanech, we the Mizbeach again. It was a huge miracle they were able to do that. So we recognize it. When they were Mechanech the Mizbeach for eight days, so we recognize that they were Mechanech the Mizbeach again. It was a rededication of the, of the Beis HaMikdash for a certain principle or set of principles. They, of course, didn't have the Nesim at that point, right? That was gone. But at least together, collectively, as a nation of Yehuda, because we didn't have the ten tribes there either, it was time the second Beis HaMikdash, they were all gone. Um, but we came together and we rededicated it. We did Chinuch. Right? Who's, who's the famous lady of Hanukkah? She has seven sons. What's her name? Right? It's, cool. it's, all, it's all the same thing, I think. As far as say what you want to say. I see you swallowing words. No, I'm thinking about that. Okay. Processing is good. As, as far as I understand, the the Yom Banan, they're, they're coming to fix something that we were lacking in. They they added an aspect that we needed reminder, reminding of. A reminder. Sort of yeah, a, a yearly reminder of a certain concept or idea. Let's see. Well, it's also the the Orises, right? As as well. Yeah. Like that. So oh, so gosh. so what is Hanukkah? Coming to stop messing around. Remind yourself. Oh, okay, that's good. So I didn't, I didn't want to deal with that because I dealt with that already on Facebook. So I figured you could all watch that. But if you don't all have Facebook, um, very simply, Hanukkah was a civil war. We 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 bill it in grade school as a war of Jews against Greeks, but that's not really true because the Greeks were invited in by other Jews who were Hellenists. Again, Helen, Helene, Helene, Greeks. Hellenized Jews are Jews who uh, who wanted to become Greek. They assimilated. The this, by the way, just again, if you want another connection, um, in the beginning of that Nevuah in Zechariah, when it says the Yeshua Kohen Gadol was wearing bigadim tzoim, he was wearing dirty clothes. The Rishonim explained what he was wearing dirty clothes. His sons married non-Jewish women. That was the dirty clothes. Right, so it's again same issue. It's hitbolalut. It's it's intermarriage. Um, so the the assimilation that was happening was fought with Chinuch, that we dedicate our children to a different, not just our children, but also ourselves, to a different road. We are Mechanech. That's the idea of Hanukkah, I think. Well, did you answer the question about the 12, that you said that one day was supposed to be for all 12? Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're all doing exactly the same thing. They're all doing the same thing. They're like, we want to dedicate them as Be'ach, so when would it be logical to dedicate them as Be'ach? On the day that we activate it. And Hashem says, no. No, no, no. 
you each have to take a day so that you can manifest in your way. So what they did was they all put in their input at the same time, but then it plays out so that everybody can see and display what each shevet does. And it's Nasiya Chaliyon, Nasiya Chaliyon. We're created on day six, right? Yeah. And then the seventh is when... So then are we in the eighth day now? God doesn't do the eighth day. So we do the eighth day. That's the shot. So, so <laughs> this, is, this is really cool. Because in Parsha Shmini, Vayihi, Vayom, Hashemini, Vayihir, Vayiboker, Yom Echad, Yom Hashishi, Yom Hashvi'i, Vayihi, Vayom Hashemini. It's the eighth day of creation. Yom Hashemini is the eighth day of creation. It's really cool. We do it. We make the eighth day of creation. Right? So each, each era is, is a leap. Each era is a, is a cosmic leap in creation. The day that the Beis Hamikdash is activated is a new era. It's a new day of creation. It's Yom Hashmini. And there will be a Yom Hatashi'i. And there's a Lama Tzayach Al Ha'asiris. So we are now on the eighth day. Yeah. The ninth day is scary. We read about it on Sukkot. Yom Baal Adonai. That's the judgment day of man. Not judgment day. That's uh Shalech Bekirbech. It's Gogu Magog. Pasik says, um Pasik says that Yom Ahu Yivadal Adonai Lo Yom Balo Laila. By Hila eight Arabia or what do you mean low yom below Lila? Why will there be or? I'll tell you which or it's talking about. The first one. So that's God's day. That's his turn. So it's coming out party, right? Kol Kadoshabi Mo. That's a scary haftar. That's a really scary haftar. Because the way that it um like when it when it describes the uh, when it describes the Magifa that will attack the people who are coming to be Tsar on Yerushalayim, Hamik uh, Bisaro, it, it's basically describing uh, nuclear war. Right? It says that their their skin will melt off their bones, and yeah, it, it's not good. The Lashon. Timakna Bifihem, something like that. It's it's bad. It's bad. It's scary. That's a scary day. God's day is scary. I'd like to see it, but only in a movie. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if you, you want to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like one of the things. Like you want to be there for that. Kind of do, and I kind of don't. Is there anything you learned from the from the idea that there's seven days which are. <laughs> which are gods and one that is ours, meaning the majority is gods? It's not about majority. It's about, it's about what are you here to do and what can you affect and what can you not affect. So you could bang your head against the wall all you want, but it's not, it's not effective. That's what I'm saying, but is there something like sort of what I was saying, like try to figure out more practically, like is there something you learned that the fact that if the number is seven and then there's a seven to one ratio of what we can do, so therefore... The majority of stuff you can't affect, so don't mess with that. I don't know. I don't, Try to start I don't, figuring out like more practically how do we. 
Right, exactly. So again, it's not about the number, and and I, I would no, I would but it's about the symbolism of the number. We need the symbolism that one is seven and one is one is meaning that there's one through seven. That's seven right. numbers, and then one is eight, which is no, I understand. One. I don't. I, so I don't, I'm talking about symbolism. Not like literally eight seven to one well, ratio, but saying that there's a mu- vast majority. It's not good when it's cold. Yeah, it's weird. It's like the opposite. I don't. Of I don't know. I don't know. Um, honestly, I don't understand that much about symbolism. Like this, just like jumped off the page I usually don't talk about these things because I don't understand them and honestly I don't understand most of what I said tonight either I just see that it's all connected I don't have a deep understanding of why these things are as you see right? clearly clearly, I don't um, but I, I I don't think that they're fake either so it's a good start and then hopefully you can take it and move forward with it that would be the idea what is the Sarah Olam concept? It sounds very similar to Christians. Uh, yeah. So, um... Sounds very similar to Christianity. We have God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That was the problem, right? That was... Um, sure it was it's, it's literally all over the place. It's Gemara's, it's, it's Rishonim. I mean, if you if you want to look up one of them, uh, there's a Ramban that talks about the Mizbeach HaKatores in Parshas Tetzave that talks about Metatron. And again, there's countless Midrashim that talk about Metatron and, and Gemaras. He's a sitting scribe. Right? Yeah. He's the only one who's allowed to sit, whatever that means. Well, that's why, at least, that's the, that's the Midrash right. Relishman of Huya. Yeah, that he was sitting, and he says, Shem other stay with Shuyos, so they have to give him lashes to show that he's not. It's a, it's a weird Gemara. What? Gemara Yeah. But didn't you just define it as Teva? Yeah. It's the expression of Teva because he, yeah. he made himself into something that was Sar the Holen total expression of Teva. Therefore, it's just like, oh, you. It's not just that. You know where you find it in the Rishonim a lot? By, um, when it says, When when Baruch Hu says to Moshe, after the, after the sin of the Egel Azahab, that's Matatron. That's Matatron. So, like, the, if you look through all the Rishonim over there, you'll see it again and again and again. It's like saying Hashem looking at the Torah and, and created the world. It's like saying the Torah is going to be started from God, but it's not. So then how can you see that as to the Shiot? He's, all, he's sending him as a Shiot from Moshe. No, but you should be able to... Well, if you're in the world, then it looks like Metatron is in charge of things. That's how it looks from here, because everything works in that way. So he gets, you know... I don't know if he gets confused or if he was agendized beforehand. It's... It's hard to know. Who are we talking about, Alicia or Moshe? Alicia or Moshe. Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to know that. By the way, you know what else is like really, really cool? I thought just like, this is cool. Um, the, the, other, the other time that you find um, that everyone will sit, each tachas gefano, each tachas ta'ino, is, is actually spoken by Yehoshua at the end of Sefer Yehoshua. So I wonder if it's a coincidence that the Kohen Gadol's name is Yehoshua. It might be. It also might not be. I, I thought that was cool, too. Yeah. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, I'm about to turn into a pumpkin. Good question.